0: Welcome in to the Great Scott Show on a Friday. No Game 7 for us. No Game 7. No iconic moment from the NBA Finals. But on a... On a give me all you got Friday. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! We do have... A dynasty in the Warriors. Love it or hate it. It's a fact. It's a fact. Steph Curry, game wasn't even over yet, fell to the floor, tears everywhere, crying. Warriors clinched their fourth championship in eight years. Boston was up 12 too early, and then it was just, it was over after that for Boston. 52-19 52-19 to 19 run on the road. That was it. Draymond looked like Draymond in his prime last night. Steph Curry, dare I say, had his best playoff series ever when you take into account what he did on the defensive side of things and then, of course, offensively. Golden State's defense absolutely suffocated the Celtics. Jason Tatum was not good. I mean, Andrew Wiggins had him in a a phone booth all night. Curry wins the NBA Finals MVP that had eluded him. And this Warriors team won their fourth title in eight years. Clay Thompson, how does it feel? Holy cannoli. This is crazy. Holy cannoli. That's what he's got. Holy cannoli. Okay, holy cannoli, guys. Holy cannoli. it is the, the the thing that's odd about the Warriors dynasty the thing that makes it different from the dynasties say of the last 31 years Bulls Lakers Spurs is two of the four titles in the middle they just happened to get you know the the, the second to best player on the planet join their team and a lot of people didn't like it I didn't like it you probably didn't like it it was weird. It was bad at the time. It felt like the championship was a foregone conclusion. And then eventually it fell apart whenever the Raptors beat him, and KD suffered an injury, and Clay suffered an injury, which basically took him two plus years to come back from because there were setbacks. And then he did come back. And, you know, six finals appearances in eight years. One of those was the bubble season. They, you know, they were 15 and 50. The next year, they got into the play-in. But all the injuries set them back for two seasons. They added Jordan Poole, who basically got to learn from them, be good. They made the trade for Wiggins, which helped out tremendously. And they've got another title. Steve Kerr now has, what, five as a player, four as a coach? It was... An impressive run by Golden State, who I had predicted would win the series in five. It took them six. But they're the champions. Holy cannoli. This is crazy. just, that's, holy cannoli. I don't know why that's ridiculous and funny to me. It's just ridiculous and funny to me. Um, They're the champs. We got a poll up at ESPN Lafayette on Twitter. Go vote. Go vote. Which NBA dynasty of the last 31 years do you think is the best? The Bulls, the Lakers, the Spurs, or the Warriors? You know, it, the Bulls have the three, the six in the 90s in eight years, and the two years they didn't win, they didn't have Jordan. Spurs won, you know, four over what nine years? Or I'm I'm sorry, check that four over fifteen years. But the last one kind of came late. But you know, Duncan was a part of all of them. The Lakers won three with Kobe and Shaq, two more with Kobe and Gasol, and now the Warriors have won six and eight years. Now I I. Okay, so I'm in my 40s. I mean, I'm still rolling with the Bulls because Lakers, Spurs, and Warriors, they had some pauses in between There's The only reason the Bulls had a pause is because Michael Jordan went and played baseball for two years. Some would say he might have been secretly suspended for gambling. Whatever you want to believe, he was gone for two years. Okay, he came back late in in that second year, but that was joining the team late in the season. It didn't count. All right, the six seasons he was fully on the team, they won the championship. This isn't a question, guys, of, well, if this team played that team, I mean, could they really do that? I, I always find that kind of dumb. Or I, I shouldn't say dumb. It's not as simple as people want to make it. Compare those teams to the teams of that era and the basketball that was played in that era. Oh, well, the Bulls wouldn't be able to stop Steph Curry's shooting. They wouldn't have a chance. Well, if the, if the game was officiated the way it was in the 90s, you know, the Warriors would be leaving with bruises all over their body. They'd probably be dealing with even more injuries. If the game was officiated like it was now, well, you know, Warriors would win the series. They'd shoot a lot of free throws. They'd win. But that's not what this is. This is which one is the best. You know, putting the Warriors in there, I have to get over my disdain for the years that that Durant was there. Because the Warriors went from this new up-and-coming fun team, now they're an NBA champion, Steph Curry's this incredible shooter, oh my gosh, they're so fun. Then they blow a 3-1 lead to Cleveland. They add Kevin Durant, everyone's like, wait, what? After winning a title, they had Kevin Durant. They win two more. The NBA feels boring. And then he's gone. Then they have two awful seasons with a bunch of injuries. And then they're back on the top. Now, you know, I guess there were some people that didn't think they could win at all. But you know, to hear the players say, nobody believed in us. Come on. No one believed in you. You're in your six finals in eight years, guys. But they kept receipts. It motivated him. Whatever works. As far as the Celtics go, they went much farther than I thought they would this season. They've got a young team. It's part of the learning process. Are they comparable to, say, the Thunder, who never got back? Or will their comp be a team that did get back and won titles? You never know when you can get back to that stage. You never know. They were impressive to me in a lot of ways, but their defense was good. But one thing still remains. In the finals, you need superstar performances from superstars. And the best player on Boston's team did not play like a superstar in the NBA Finals. In any of the games. He didn't. Jason Tatum did not. And last night he wasn't great by his standards. They have a deep team. They have a good team. I love Robert Williams. That dude is so tough. The fact that he was out there playing the way he was. I thought he was incredible the entire series. But. You know Jalen Brown. who is an all-star. Certainly not superstar level. He played better than Jason Tatum. Marcus Smart, it's it's up and down. It's hot and cold. You have to have superstars play like superstars if you want to win an NBA championship. And this isn't anything new, guys. This has been the case forever. This isn't some new age take. Well, if you look at it now, no. The Celtics were not going to be able to win a seven-game series. Can it happen? Yeah, I mean, again, the Spurs at the end of their run, the last title they won when Duncan was no longer the player he once was, but uh, Ginobili was pretty dang good. I get you. Superstar, no. The Pistons in 0-4 when they beat the Lakers' tails in five games, it was more of a team thing, but all of those guys, Rasheed Wallace had been an all-star. Ben Wallace, I mean, you, you didn't think of him as superstar. He was the best defensive player of that, one of the best defensive players of that era. I think I think they probably deserve a little more credit than they get as far as just how good they were in terms of top-tier talent. But they didn't have that bona fide superstar. After winning that title, the next year, all you know, four of the five starters were an all-star game and all that other stuff. But in that moment... You know, to try to win it all without a superstar elevating their game is like trying to win in the NFL today without a good quarterback, trying to win it all. You can have all the other good pieces, but man, if you you don't get it there, you can get you maybe maybe you can get to the promised land, maybe you can get on the doorstep, but to get through, it is extremely, extremely rare. 337-269-1077. It's the great Scott Show. Gus Cotton Yo gonna join us here in just a little bit, live on the phone line. Got a lot in store for you this morning. Let's head to the phone lines right now. Good morning, welcome in. Hello. I'm sorry, hang on one second. Let's try this again. All right, good morning, welcome into the show. Hello.
1: All right. Um the Bulls Dynasty. I have no respect for the Bulls dynasty for the simple fact that there was really no true competition. Uh, you really didn't have any. When you look back at that era, there was really no teams that could really compete against the uh, Bulls. Uh, so I, I think their dynasty is kind of watered out.
0: Wouldn't wouldn't you be um, able to just reverse that to point out how great they were? No. <laughs> I mean, I can just say that's just how much better they were. And I think the '97, '98 Utah Jazz was an incredible team. Um, and had they really. had, had they had they come back, you know. Had had Jordan, you know, not come back, they definitely would have won the titles that year. But, um, no, I, I don't – well, I mean, to each their own, but I don't agree with that take. I mean, the okay. Bulls were that good.
1: Man, you had – you had one of the best defenders in the, in the league in, in um, Pippen. You know, Jordan was a great ball defender. Like, you just had – what, what team, has, there was no other team? Think about this, I mean, man. You, you're talking about how great they about, were. Think though. about the 80s era. They had true competition. Who, who they, there was, no, there, there was no, not one team could beat them in the East. Like, there was really no competition like that. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I just, the, I don't, the,
0: the, the, who didn't didn't they lose, like, the year that Jordan came back, the second year of his uh suspension? Come on, man.
1: You, you just said that. On, come on.
0: But didn't they lose to someone in the East?
1: Okay, man. Yeah, they lost to Orlando, but come on, you you already you already talked about. It, Didn't you say hey, the back. Sonics were
0: one of the great teams of the '90s that just couldn't get over the hump, and they beat them in the finals? I mean, yeah, they, but when I,
1: you look I, back, I,
0: I, yeah, they. I think I think you can just reverse the argument, and be like the Bulls were that much better, and that's why they that's why they were the best dynasty. I mean, it's you. It depends on how you look at it, I guess. What lens you look at it through? Uh,
1: the uh, Lakers with Kobe and Shaq um yeah that that peat garbage uh Pacers Sixers and uh who's that Net. oh, the Nets okay the New uh, Jersey Nets
0: the Lakers dynasty nah, you know, of the, think- of the of the 2000s is also weird in that it's just you you have one superstar for part of it and then not the next I mean I it, it's it's hard to it's hard to quantify them in my mind um because whenever you know, the Lakers of the two thousands, because when Shaq left, they weren't good with just Kobe and some scrubs, uh, and then they added Gasol, and then they added some other pieces, and suddenly they were they were really good again. But having a generational player like Shaq for part of it, and then not for part of it, I don't know. Like the and then and then the Durant thing kind of messes. It's 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 I, maybe it's just because I'm just. I don't know. My mind's... I'm just not smart That's enough. I'm not smart enough to quantify it all. It's, I can look at the Bulls and be like, okay, well, Jordan Pippen were there for all of them. And I get it. You know, Grant was there for the first run and then Rodman and all those things were different. But, like, if your top two players on your team are there for all of them, it's, it's easier for me to make the comparison. Um,
1: I don't I know. Think I'm going with the Spurs, man. Uh, yeah. I, I know the argument's going to be, well, they never won one back-to-back. You know? Well, yeah, I understand that. But... Think about this, man. They won a title with a ninety-nine, then they won it.
0: 2014.
1: 03, I think. Yeah. 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 And then they kind of took a break and they won a title. But they, they, were they were still a, like
0: good during that. They were still really yeah. good during that. 99, 05, 06, don't 03, don't 03, 03 in 2014. So you win four 07. and yep. seven years, and then you win another one there at the tail end. It's again, I, I think in a lot of time with these debates, you could say Oh well, that last one it doesn't feel like it's part of it or blah. Okay, whatever. They won four in a short amount of time. Hey, the Spurs have a good case here, and the fact that they were able to get another one out, I think is a um, is 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 a it, it's in the it's in the good checklist. I think it's in the use it as the argument as to why they are the best. Of course, because they had the least amount of sizzle. A lot of people will put them last on that list, but I, I think I think you can make a really good case for them. I'm with you.
1: Look, man, hey, man, I, I like your show, man. I love your show. I, I've been listening to your show for years, man. But I am struggling with sports talk radio, man. Not, not so much your show, but just in general, man. I don't know if this is a generate. I don't know if I'm just getting old. <laughs> but, man, if I hear one more talk about legacy, legacy. What's this legacy? The legacy,
0: legacy, legacy. legacy. The legacy game. The legacy performance.
1: Shut up. You, you know what I'm saying? Shut up.
0: It's, like, it's, it's it's it's. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. It's a legacy game for this guy. What does it mean for his legacy? Yeah, uh, you know. I I, let's let's <laughs> let it let's, let's let a season end and let's let it play out. Um, I don't know. It, it's it, it's. I think it is part of its generational. Part of it is twenty four seven, three sixty five. Because oh well, they've always had that with ESPN. You haven't had the amount. Of content that you do now, and podcasts, and at pe- social media, fingertips—it's all just part of it. It's this constant narrative of, well, we got to have this discussion because you know it's it's got to be this. Me, I don't know. I the, the I, I, I don't look. I don't mind legacy talk, but whenever whenever something is is done and finished and and over with, before we just dig in after a single game or single performance or stuff like that, that stuff's all silly.
1: I'm gonna tell you what's Boston issue, man. First of all, man, Marcus Smart, you' you're supposed to be defensive player of the year, right? I think he's the first what non-center or non-big man to win since Gary. Payton.
0: Robert Williams is the best defensive player on Boston. That cat. I I mean, mean, what I'm saying is, man, Gary Payton put those. Gary
1: Payton, when he was defensive player of the year, you know, you say, you know what? Let me guard Jordan. Jordan shooting percentage was kind of uh, down in that series because of Gary Payton putting the clamps on him. Marcus Smart, where were you? You was out there get looking foolish out there also oh nba first team my ass man whatever man hey, hey man if, like, like i said man ba- you know what boston issue was they don't, they don't have a true point guard on that team man who can calm the calm the men down you when know marcus smart right, you're right
0: with respect to marcus smart who didn't have a good series who is a good defender if he's your point guard that's supposed like marcus smart is not the kind of player that's going to calm everyone down when they need to be calm he's the kind of guy that's like it's marcus smart time to himself Right, and then he'll just take a bad shot. That if it goes in, cool, but you don't have the full confidence that it's going in.
1: Like Tato, I just I got tired of hearing this whole narrative. Kobe, you know, I don't I don't know if he got caught up in all that, but man, his shot selection.
0: He had he he had, he had a rough finals, it. you know, and and depending on what he does from here, and if he gets back, will dictate his legacy. Um, but you know, it's <laughs> it's his, it's his first finals, and. Boston got a hell of a lot farther than I thought they would. Um, you know, I I'm not going to bag on them because the Bucks didn't have Middleton. They got there and they had a lot of seven game series. But yeah, the Warrior. I think the Warriors' Look, championship like, pedigree yeah. did did make a difference in the finals. I, I think having been, I, there— I don't want to hear anything
1: about no top ten or anything about Curry, man. Hey, Scott, you know what's so crazy? Yeah, uh, you see, y'all y'all like to crown him the best shooter ever in NBA history, but could he play in other eras, man?
2: Like,
0: no, oh, no, ahead. no. I mean, with, could he with, play? Yes. Play. Would he be as, would he be as successful? No, no, I, but I've said that before. I mean, I, I was talking about comparing, when people ball. bring like, the bulls and warriors up, they're like, oh, they would smoke them. I'm like, it really depends on the era they're playing in. If you are actually playing the game, <laughs> because it, you don't. The physicality from back then, and people could talk about the amount of fouls and free throws and all, oh, they're not physical today. No, they play physical basketball today, but if you watched it, you know the difference. And you know how the game was played from inside out. And it's all, you know, and, and, and officials sort of catch on to that. And then they slowly change how they call games a little bit. Then the game evolves. But you know, Curry's, Curry is perfect for his era, absolutely perfect. And, you know, he would have been a great shooter. Um, and I think a good player, but an M V P player in the eighties and nineties? I don't think so. Uh an MVP you know player now? Yeah, absolutely. I told
1: someone at the bar last night. Now I said, think about this, man. If if Curry doing all this, why Mahmouladou do why didn't go out like this? He was a nice shooter. Like why why he didn't why was he doing this? Uh the other thing too, I think Curry would have been a Dano Barros at best. You know. Uh, the guy never heard of Dana Barrows
0: when I told him this. But, he's a, but was, he a, was he a Boston fan?
1: Who, the guy? Yeah. Oh, no, he's a, he's a Pacers fan. Okay, like, okay. Like a, a real <laughs> diehard Pacers fan. If he hadn't fan. heard of Dana
0: like, Barrows, then you could take his car from him right away.
1: <laughs> no, nah, you can Yeah, he's a little bit younger than me, but... That, guy, but, that guy's, that guy's um, a
0: legend. I'm not even kidding. That guy's a legend with Boston fans.
1: Oh, yeah. I think he played college in that in that time. It's but funny. Think- yeah,
0: he's like from Boston. Yeah, no. It's funny how you have certain... like you. Talk to fans that are real fans of a certain team and have been from a long time, and they'll there are certain players that aren't mainstream, but you know they'll never buy a drink in the city they played in. Dana Barros is that for the Boston Celtics?
1: Yeah, but um, like I said, man, congratulations! I'm you know I'm always uh, I'm big on sportsmanship, so uh, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. But um, it feels so cheap, man. They're dynasty, so it's probably the cheapest, the cheapest one. You know, I give them credit for. Um, I guess this this uh, this title kind of it you was know, hard to come back. You have two
0: awful team. seasons. I mean, that's yeah. This one, this one to me was the most impressive. I mean, the two with Durant, whoop-de-do. Good for you. You know, but I yeah, thought I, I, one, think, I think I think this lie, one, at was, one. At one was that first one was good. That first one was good. You know, because
1: I doubted them the whole year. I didn't think like you know the way they came out, and a lot of that team, this, this huge team, they ain't gonna be able to win. And boom, you know, they proved me wrong. Yeah. Um, but look, man, it was nice hearing from you. And um, hey, one, one more thing. What do you think is going to do uh, with, with Durant? Well, with the uh, Nets getting, and, uh, getting swept in the first round, what do you think it's going to do uh, the Durant Legacy? <laughs> uh, you have a good one. Thank you.
0: He cannot be a top 10 player and get swept in the first round ever. Can't ever happen. Not on my watch. We're going to call him this good and they get swept. Sorry. Sorry about that. We'll take a quick timeout. Come back. Gus Kattengill joins me more on the NBA finals. We'll also talk a little CWCWS later, uh, in the show, uh, plenty of open phone lines in the eight o'clock hour, taking a look at legacies, comparing teams and, um, just some tragic news from this week involving a former Rage Cajun and, uh, We'll uh, remember him a little bit and, and some of the things some of his close friends have, have said about him in the last uh, 48 hours. That's all coming your way on the Great Scott Show on a Give Me All You Got Friday on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket. In
2: you, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette, ESPN Lafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the end. The best ticket in sports.
3: This is it, y'all. Some Nasty.
0: Welcome back into the great Scott show. Warriors. When their fourth title in eight years, we've been digging in, comparing dynasties on our poll over at ESPN Lafayette on Twitter, which NBA dynasty of the last 31 years do you think is best? Bulls, Lakers, Spurs, or Warriors? Bulls running away with the poll right now at 67%. Warriors at 16%. Spurs at 6%. Lakers at 11%. Let's welcome into the show now our friend from ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, Mr. Gus Catango. Good morning, Gus. Happy Friday for you. How you feeling as we uh, head into this College World Series weekend?
3: It is hot. <laughs> it is a. Uh... You know, uh, interesting see how you have to try to somewhat acclimate back from being in Vermont for a couple yeah. of days. Dude, the high yeah. was 71 and a low was 57, and get back to this grind here. We're uh, halfway through McQueen's Walk, kids a couple blocks ahead, and I'm dehydrating already. <laughs> how are you, man?
0: I'm doing great. Yeah, we, we didn't chat with Gus last week. He was in Vermont where the weather in the summertime is just a little different than uh, – this South of Louisiana uh, <laughs> sticky humidity heat, but um, but with that man, um, Steph Curry was hot in this series. His defense was good, something that he's been bagged for a lot. Um, he was great, and the Warriors win another championship after uh, a couple of dreadful seasons dealing with a lot of injuries. Yeah. And where do you how do you view this? Because I, I was talking about how it's weird they've won four and eight years, but the you have the two in the middle where you just add it, you know, Kevin Durant. So it almost felt like a foregone conclusion. No one really liked it outside of Warriors fans. Everyone thought it was a bad move, a weak move. Uh, It made the product a little less entertaining. It just, I don't know. And yet I, I, I respect the heck out of them for doing what they were able to do this year and get back. It definitely had a different feel, right? Because I think for anything as a sports fan, when you see it, cha- every, look, every champion ever had to go through a lot. I'm not suggesting they don't, and and it's, it's hard to win a championship. But the perception is you add Kevin Durant, you avoid major injuries, you're going to win it all, and they did. Whenever uh, a, I, I think fans and viewers feel like, man, you had to overcome a lot to win this thing, they respected more. And what they went through the last two years – I think that title last night, The certainly the national reaction to it, feels a heck of a lot different than the last one they won with KD, doesn't it? I, I think
3: what was interesting to me was seeing yesterday the obvious emotion and, and really I think the realization of – today's champions or just today's players Scott absolutely paying attention to the constant 24-7 chatter right I mean uh to see Steph react the way he did and it it was because of the what was just you know laughable um I think the last several weeks about you know you got guys like Max Kellerman saying that you know he's, he's not anything until he wins the finals MVP the guys won a regular season MVP he's won three stupid. rings previously pretty stupid it is yeah, but, stupid. but the thing is you heard him say it and you heard him say it on the stage right when he when he finally got it you saw his reaction when he was being handed the MVP trophy um and I just think it, it's silly because obviously I, I still think he would be one of the top players who ever played one of those guys that you talk about but you just saw in this finals uh, a determination. I mean, what was it, Scott? I think all but the one day he didn't hit the three. Everything was a 30-point game in the finals. I mean, I, that's literally doing everything you can to win uh, you know, an, a championship. So I, I think what's interesting when you compare teams, dynasties, and such, you know, everyone's obviously different and every, um, I guess, challenge that some of these teams have are as well but i i think it was interesting to hear the broadcast crew kind of talk about is this their weakest team i don't know if i agree with that with van gundy they have shooters everywhere it's a different team because i think the league is different i i said it when you come on our show and i've been saying uh on fridays with you man that this postseason if i was going to you know write the headline to me it's easy, it's easily a three-point shot i mean they're you know, there were so many ebbs and flows yesterday just in that game based on when Boston knocked down threes or not, right? So, and it's the same thing with Golden State. If guys other than Steph Curry are knocking down threes, it's going to be hard to beat them. Wiggins hit them. Clay hit them. Steph hit them. You had Poole hitting some early in the game. Um, that's just a lot. It's a lot to overcome. I mean, at one point, that 14, right? And that's why they were um, – stretching that league over 20 for most of the game it's just it's hard to do but you also saw in those games when they couldn't hit them and boston could and they could have done it so i i think that's where and maybe i'm the old timer i think that's where maybe why so many people still view that bulls dynasty as something they could play defense and they could get their points into the rim differently but You didn't have a lot of three-point shooting on those Bulls teams, and you saw the Warriors, when they want to play defense, they can lock you down. I thought Van Gundy brought up a very good point. The two losses, 120 points or more, uh, Boston scored. And the Warrior wins, it it was uh, drastically different.
0: Yeah, it's just just an era thing, you know, not just the teams that played in it, but how the game was played in the league back then. I, I... Because you've harped on the three-point thing so much, I guess maybe if you ask me a few years from now, that's what I'll remember. But this postseason, if we're being honest, and and these finals, Gus, every game in this finals was double digits. Every one. Not a single game was single digits. Not a single game went down to the final possession. Not a single game had that drama of, oh my God, call a timeout, 20 seconds left, drop a play, who's going to win this? And... It didn't, this this entire postseason didn't have an iconic moment, which, okay, if, even if I don't use the word iconic, let's just say really memorable moment. If you're a fan of a certain team, sure. Pelicans fans are going to remember some, you know, uh, Grand Theft Alvarado and some other things from the Phoenix series and the play-ins, and uh, Celtics fans will have their moments, and Mavs fans will remember some stuff about Luka, and certainly I think if you ask me years from now, I'm just going to remember that the Warriors won. And that the rest of the postseason, you know, I I might remember the Bucks didn't have Chris Middleton, which I think was a big factor in this postseason. But it was overall, I'd be lying if I told you I was highly entertained by the product this postseason. It it felt like a chore, which sounds ridiculous to some. I mean, it's why there were times where it felt like a chore. I'm like, man, I don't have a lot of free time. The kids are finally asleep. I want to Watch Stranger Things or play a game, and I'm watching these games, these basketball games, and they're just not doing it for me, man. I was there a moment in this postseason outside of the first round, obviously when we're following the Pelicans, that you were like, "I love this, this is great, I'm enjoying the heck out of this." Because that, outside of a close finish in the Milwaukee Boston series, a game the Bucks won, um, outside of a few things here and there, it was most of this postseason, and in, you know, in the NBA, I mean it. <laughs> postseason started so dang long ago uh back in what early april or um not early april but yeah it started started back in april it just the playing tournament was april 12th you know we were we were at that pelican spurs game april 13th here we are two months over two months later and i just i I feel let down by this nba postseason as a viewer
3: i can't disagree with you i I think uh, a lot of people felt that way um it's honestly, it's been one of our questions we've been throwing out there every single day. You know, like, has has it been entertaining? And again, you know, I, I I know you keep saying I'm harping on it, but I think it's because of that. I mean, Scott, I mean, it, it's just it's Jack up City. You know, it's Jack City to try to hit threes, and when they're all hitting, you get the what I you know. I'm honestly been calling the illusion of. You know, competition, the illusion of, hey, this is exciting. It's probably only because people are knocking down shots. I mean, again, I, if, if you like it, that's great. But when they're playing well and they're hitting all their shots, the Warriors can be fun. And even when the Celtics made their run and won that game uh, a couple of games ago, you know, they, they were the team that was looking like Golden State that, you know, had a lot of movement and stuff. So, you know, I don't know, man. I, I, just, I just look at it as one of those situations where um, and that, that it, you know, just wouldn't come um, as exciting as it has been, you
0: know? Yeah, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Gus Catingale with us here on a Friday um, looking at what comes next. The NBA draft is in six days. When we talk next week, at this time, the Pelicans will have a new player or two. Um, I, I'm then you have free agency, and you know the 2023 NBA championship odds for every team. You look at it; the Warriors are the favorite right now, plus five fifty. Celtics plus six fifty. Nets and Clippers plus seven hundred. I'll stay away from both of those, thank you. Uh, you got to go down pretty far before you get to the Pelicans at plus four thousand, though. You know what? They were plus twenty thousand. Check that. Plus fifty thousand back in uh, in 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 late February for this past season. So, uh, you know, I Luke uh, uh, Joel Embiid early favorite to be named MVP. If you want to bet on these type of things, looking ahead to next season, how much do you think the Pelicans factor into the postseason?
3: Hopefully they focus enough to where I think most people would like to see them in that second round. I I look, you know, I I had a discussion on on the show yesterday. Somebody called in and, you know, there, I was bringing up the point that it was good to hear over the weekend at at a pod, you know, on the Ryan was podcast, what David Griffin, you know, saying that it's an easy decision. And and Scott, that's a thing. Right. 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 The contract is that just give it to him. And something you and I have talked about on both our shows, right. About, you just give them the the sheet of paper and sign. Does it said, I have a bunch
0: of uh, amendments in there? No player well, option and a sentence. couple of injury amendments. I think it's a, it, it works right. for everybody.
3: Right, and I'm a, I'm of it. Of you know what? Just go ahead and sign it. Um, and the caller and a couple other people are like, no, you have to try to do those things. But Scott, that that kind of what David Griffin said, you know, two three weeks ago when he said, hey, it's. Uh, it's, it's not as easy as, you know, it could be challenging or whatever. And I'm like, oh, boy, they're, they're going to go down that road. And, Scott, you know, this past weekend, it's, it's, it's actually quite easy a max player. So when you hear him say that, that gives me the thought that that's the case. And you saw reports over the weekend about that. You saw reports over the weekend that they're just going to give him that max extension and they're just going to do it. And it just makes a lot of sense. That that maybe they they just go ahead and do it that way, and I think a lot of it is kind of just seeing it, right? I mean, we've been seeing the last two weeks the um, the team posting pictures and doing all those different aspects of uh, the players working out and, and being together, and then also you're going to see coming up um, in the next two weeks the team going to Vegas and, and work and practice, so. I don't know. I, I, I think when you see all of that, Scott, to me, that I, I just keep saying I don't see how the Pelicans aren't a team that can contend and can compete. I mean, Phoenix was a very good team this year. The way they fizzled right there uh, was incredible to me uh, at the end, how they couldn't hit their shots. And you saw maybe the age get to Chris Paul. But, you know, in that series against the Pelicans, I'm sitting there thinking, like like I said, right after the series ended, i I'm having trouble looking at that series and thinking that they maybe don't win that game or that series as ions playing in, in those twenty seven points and having those scores and you know the Pels being able to play defense and things of that nature. So I think when you add all of that together, that's how I think they figure into the postseason next year. I think they figure into the postseason next year by. I think being a team that legitimately can be a second-round team, I, Look, I, they're going to at least push for sure to try to win that first series. And I think during the regular season, it's going to be about, Scott, a team that's going to be pushing for a top seed.
0: Let's make it happen. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. You have talent at the top. You sign a max contract even with an injury provision and no player option. You look at the cap, what it does to the cap. You need to hit on the drafts. Final Pell's question for you, Gustin. We'll, we'll talk a little Saints mini camp. Um, what odds do you put on them staying put, draft an eighth overall next Thursday? Uh, what percentage odds do you say? No, they're gonna they're gonna make some. They're good, They're not gonna do it. They're gonna trade back. They're gonna do something, but they will not just sit there and draft at eight.
3: Um, I don't know, man. I I, I think. You know, it, seeing all of the different teams and and whatever moves they can make with the draft coming up next week and all this other stuff, I just um, I, I think injury and you know you were, we were talking about kind of storylines of this finals in this postseason, whether there's three point shooting and things. I think injuries too, man. You know, took took a toll on a lot of different teams and and I mean I as much as I hate to say it, if AD and LeBron are healthy. Um, they're going to win more games than they did last year. And they're going to be a team you have to, you know, kind of contend and look at. I mean, I know Dallas is making different moves already and, you know, try to secure a guy in, in Luka who can take over a game. I, I've always said, you know, you talk about the Pelicans. But to me, that that's a um, a matchup, man, that uh, they, they just don't match up very well. I mean, that's a team that can hit a bunch of threes, and it's all that size. So, you know, how does Utah handle not having uh, their coach and, and maybe not being together with Gobert and and Mitchell? So it's you know it's going to be interesting to see who gets a shot or not. But man, you look at the Warriors; those guys can still shoot and those guys can still play. And it'll be interesting to see how uh, the next season goes. But like I said, I, I think it's as exciting as I've been, and we said at the beginning of this of this NBA season that it's. Um, it's uh, one of those things where I think anybody can kind of win.
0: ESPN Lafby had the best ticket in sports. That's how some folks are looking at the College World Series, which gets underway tonight. Uh, I'm rolling with Oklahoma to win it all. But let's talk some Saints football for a little bit, Gus, and then we'll let you run. Mandatory minicamp wrapped up. They had three days' worth. Um, Number of players were there but couldn't practice, like Marcus Davenport. Uh, Peyton Turner, Taysom Hill, Michael Thomas, you know, uh, JT Gray got a little nicked up at one point during minicamp, but overall, there were no significant injuries, which is always a plus. Um, You know, there was a lot of positional situational drills. Will Lutz is back. David Johnson tried out. It's just uh, Jameis Winston reportedly looked good, but it's just a mandatory minicamp, and yet... I don't know, we can't help just getting excited, seeing videos and, and photos. And I know the folks in your media and over there in New Orleans being out there. Do we just overanalyze mandatory minicamp because we just love football that much? Or or is there really something that we can analyze today that we'll actually be talking about come September when the season kicks off?
3: No, I, I'd say it's both. It can be both, right? I mean, obviously, when you haven't seen anything and it's your first peak at things, I also think, though, Scott, it, it's it's dependent on situation, if that makes any sense to you. So can you overanalyze it? Sure. I would say the overanalyzation normally comes when you have a Saints team or an NFL team that's sort of been in that window, right? Like, um, this would have been boring, camp grueling to cover. If this is a team that's in a Super Bowl championship contending window, you sort of know it. You just—it's it, literally the easy storyline. That you and I's job would be harder to try to keep interest because it's can you just get healthy to the regular season? We had those shows, right? We had those teams with the Saints. Um, so where I don't think it's an over-analyzation is where this is different, and to me, it's different because there there are a handful of unknowns and. You know, you're looking at those four weeks of OTAs with this mandatory minicamp, and it was the first time to be able to, Scott, lay eyes on new players, key players, free agent signings. You know, I remember very clearly you in the offseason, the Saints are terrible. They haven't made any moves. They're going to win three games. I might have over exaggerated,
0: but maybe, it was like maybe just a little. I maybe was, a little. Maybe you exaggerated maybe a just a little.
3: <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Who was the first big free agent signing? When you lost Marcus Williams, it was Marcus May. And to be able to see him at practice and, and running around coming off that Achilles, I think that, to answer the latter part of your question, that that's big going into training camp, right? Because you, you didn't know. Being able to see Jameis Winston, that first OTA, that's big because you're wondering how that knee is coming along. I mean, I, you your starting quarterback that you're now going to go with after you go for Deshaun Watson, how does he look? What is he doing? And to be able to see him um, participate in everything, you know, and and, and like I said, don't don't let the, well, he doesn't, he didn't participate in the full speed, quote unquote, team drill, which was just one team period at the end of those OTAs in minicamp. As you know, he, there's concern. The guy said it this week. They're holding him back. He's ready for the leash to be taken off. So, but he's just being cautious, and it makes sense. But he went through everything else: the handoffs, the throwing um, to the receivers, which again leads me to that next point. That was a position group, and it was my, you know, my my thing that my takeaway, to be honest with you, of of all the off-season workouts that I I said yesterday on the show. Um, That was a position group sorely in need of help. And when you see Jarvis Landry the last three weeks and you see Chris Olave for four or five weeks and, and you're seeing it, um, yeah, it acts, that, that that's legit. That's real. That's okay. Those are the guys who you're seeing. Well, how can you tell Gus if there's any good going up against air or their teammates? Well, I mean, again, that is a pretty good defense. And when you see him, a lot Alave catching in between two players. You see Landry with the one-handed catch. You realize he's a five-time Pro Bowl receiver, and you still haven't even seen Michael Thomas. But again, he's in the building. You see him in the jersey at the end of the practices. Yeah, I I, I think actually the four weeks of OTAs and, uh, or the three weeks of OTAs in a mandatory minicamp were big, and I thought they were important because you did get to see a lot of things. You get to see what that offensive line is. You see Trevor Penning a guy that is going to be competing for that, you know, left tackle spot. You, you get to sort of see um, where how they're going to use the honey badger, which was to me interesting because Scott, I think a lot of people envisioned and were excited, you know, and they saw the highlights of him as a tiger and all this other stuff about Tyron Matthew thinking that he's that guy that roams around and stuff. What I've seen is Marcus May is the safety that's lining up in the box. That's, you know, following or shadowing a receiver, uh, left or right on the line of scrimmage. And Tyron Matthews, a standalone single high safety. Now, it could have been that day. It could have been the package they were working on. But that will be very interesting to me. Again, going into camp, just things to pay attention to. How are they using him? I don't think many people envision Tyron Matthews as, you know, Marcus Williams, like the guy who just kind of sits back there. Now, again. Maybe that's to save his legs, not be as physical, keep him around, can still be the playmaker, can do those things. I don't know, but I I was surprised that this week in minicamp, Marcus May is the guy that's moving around all over the field, and 32 is just kind of sitting in the back. So, again, that's something to look into once, you know, camp comes. And, you know, maybe an era of concern, I'm going to go you here, the right DN spot, Um, you know, hearing that Davenport may not likely – start camp healthy. Now, that doesn't mean he won't be healthy for the 11th. Against I mean, the,
0: when you put you Celtics, bet on it, you know? it, it doesn't mean he will either. But, that, but that's Davis just it. For, yeah, you know?
3: I mean, that's what I'm saying. You know? <laughs> and, and it was
0: good to hear from Peyton
3: Turner to say, look, he, he expects him. Mean, he was smiling and everything. Whatever it is that kept him out. He's like, look, I'm going to be there for to the start a camp and all those things. So
0: They need it, man. They need it because that defense, I think, you're, I think you've I got some good players in the secondary. you got good linebackers. And Your D-line, if you're missing both Davenport and Turner for an extended period of time, which you might be, it's going to impact Cam Jordan. It's going to impact David Onyemata. It's going to impact everything. I mean, I just, with respect to Carl Granderson, who's not bad in terms of his pass rush, but can't, does not do the disruptive things that Davenport does when he's on the field, when that engine's running on the Ferrari, and for Peyton Turner, we just you know, he had a good camp last year. Cool. We haven't seen anything in the regular season yet. It's a first round pick and I think Davenport has taken the spotlight or rather the uh pressure spotlight off of Turner a little bit just because, you know, everyone wanting to call Mr. Two First and all this other stuff and yada yada yada. I think I think this is a, a, a pressure year for Turner. If those two guys can stay relatively healthy and play, then the Saints defense is going to lead the way. Um, and with that, we're going to let you roll. Gus Caggingill. You know, oh, last thing. You uh, you planning on watching a little college baseball this weekend watch uh, checking out some of the games in Omaha?
3: I guess um, since the finals are done, you know, and obviously it'll be one of those things where Scott will will watch whatever <laughs> in our field and in, in, in those things. But um, I don't know, man. I, I, I think um, – the, the rooting interest is is one thing, obviously, where people watch it or not. And I guess storylines. I know is there is there a team or so that you're kind of focused on, or, or are you going to tune in? Or is it kind of one of those things where, oh, look, the game's on at one, and if I had nothing to do while watching, and there's another game coming up at six. Well, <laughs> it,
0: it, it's yeah, it's kind of, it, I mean, but that's just my life now. You know, um, right. if I have time, I'm going to check it out. Uh, but I'm not. I can't. You know, reshuffle my 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 plans to watch it or or move a kid's thing or not go to work so i'm anxious though i'm interested to see um i feel like it's open you know i like i like oklahoma the way they're playing they just got hot at the right time i think they can win it all you know you got four teams from the sec west you got oklahoma and texas who will be in the sec next year stanford is the is the top overall seed and they're not you know I a and m feels like a year early being out there it's it's but, Omaha. There's something about it that um, I don't know, man. College baseball culture, I dig it. It's not widespread. It's not all over the country. It's not one of those sports that's, you know, mm-hmm. um, everybody that's a sports fan kind of pays attention to. But I think those that do know how cool Omaha is and and kind of the tradition and stuff like that. So I I'm gonna enjoy it, but it's not like I have to uh, mark it down or for that matter, the Stanley Cup Finals and say, okay, i got to clear my whole schedule and make sure I'm watching this game at this time. It's more of, a, yeah, it's on, and I happen to have some time. I'm going to check it out and watch it and, and chat about it a little bit.
3: I, I'll be honest. I think one of the things that I've always had trouble, I guess, and I know, I mean, it's, you know, I that stadium and that environment just seems so different from the other ones, and maybe I think part of it is, look, Rosenblatt, you know, kind of uh, became special because of what LSU did, and you just remember those.
0: They totally. Uh, no, no, you're right. Just, they totally screwed it up know? when they. I was talking about this yesterday uh, with my friend Brad Topham. It's like Rosenblatt had a an intimate feel, and mm-hmm. they built a kind of a, a a high AAA slash pro ballpark that didn't have any character. It didn't have anything, you know, it had your basic amenities, but there was there was nothing that you, I, it's kind of like, you know, Wrigley Field is no right. no offense to your Cubs, I mean, Wrigley's oh, right. kind of a dump and yet it's Wrigley Field. Like if they right. no, if they I, got rid of Wrigley would, and decided I, yeah. we're going to we're, we're, we're going to have a stadium that's a lot nicer than this and you don't need yeah. this old right. stuff, people would be like, "Wait, what?" Like if, if if Finway decided, Oh, we're gonna put an electric board out here and this other stuff, I mean people yeah. would flip out. They would never let it happen. And it's not that Rosenblatt was a dump, because it certainly wasn't. It's just it had that old character. You could feel the history in this T D Ameritrade or whatever they call it. Um right. I don't know. I no, you definitely have a point there. It does not have that intimate feel of, oh my gosh, you're packing all these people in here. It feels amazing. It's just, it's too wide open. It's too generic. Mm -hmm. It's too stale. So I'll I'll agree with you there.
3: Yeah. And like I said, I, I, you know, I, I think a lot of times too, when it, when you look at some of these teams, it's, uh, it's easier. I think now now this one will be more interesting than perhaps some other ones. And the reason I say it is because you have a lot more SEC teams in it this year. Um, and it's crazy when you think of the amount it would be once Oklahoma and Texas officially joined, right? I mean, it's, I was saying it cause I, you know, Southern Miss was playing Ole Miss in the supers and, you know, my guys and I were like, well, well, that was it. Uh, you know, enjoy it. Cause I can't legitimately see how it's going to be any easier, um, for them to make it moving forward. And, you know, the, the talk of, the fact that there, there's a rule out there being proposed. And my understanding is it's they're going to pass it is the 30, they're going to offer up to 35 scholarships. Like it'll be it will be up to universities on how many baseball scholarships, but that, that limit that exists currently right now will be listed. And then it'll be up to schools to decide how many they can do that. Wow. If that happens, it'll be it it'll literally be the f c c tournament
2: yeah
0: i mean it, i mean it'll yeah no it'll it'll, it'll just that, give the you know? the the money schools to even an even bigger advantage which is unfortunate Absolutely. one of the things i love about so, college baseball is you know that you'll have you've you've had plenty of cinderellas reach Omaha before certainly uh, you've had definitely. a ton of Cinderellas and super regionals and um you know n l i more scholarships all that stuff it would it would make the the schools that have the advantages have that much more of an advantage. So, and then on the other hand, Gus, the good thing is, I mean, you, it, it, they should have more scholarships, right? So, you kind of have to weigh the good with the bad, and you put it into the own school's chance. Well, some schools just have a bigger budget than others, so it's. I I I would hate to say I don't want more scholarships of college baseball because I think they need it. But to your point, right. if it's that much of a difference, and they leave it up to the schools, well, now. Now it's now you're you're making it a more uneven playing field than it is already. So it's a double edged sword in a lot of ways. Yeah,
3: and and like I said, it's look NIL has changed things, um, and you're already seeing it just in the you know year or two that it has started. I mean, coaches going to battle, schools saying they can't compete. I mean, you have Ohio State. What was it two three weeks ago? Ryan Day saying he needs thirteen million in NIO yeah. money to yeah. keep his quote unquote roster intact. <laughs> I, mean, I'm like, I mean thirteen I mean, million. Again, yeah, I need thirteen million guys. I mean I look I, I know I know you guys donate enough, you know, and, and you pay for your 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 seats and your tailgates, but I mean, do you want Ohio State to compete? That's too hot to ask yourself. I mean it's it's just ridiculous. And you know, Scott, it, it's it is now trickling to to college baseball, it is. I mean, you when, when you in the last what was it in the last what was it six days I saw right, and then it kind of ended with the, with the regionals and super regionals, and, and NC State not being in. When schools are losing their best players to transferring, that's scary.
0: Best and, players and I going to Tennessee. Yeah,
3: I mean, again, they, you know, like NC State or or you know, what was it a, a team two two days ago. A school losing their, you know, leading home run, leading RBI, leading average hitter. He, he led in three categories. He's transferring. So I, again, I, and I, do you have the right to? Absolutely. But it, it's it's like I've talked about this all season, uh, and at the end of the college football season, it, it's going to get to the point where just fans. A, you're pricing them out. <laughs> of everything. I mean, everything is expensive, and you add the economy the way it is right now, and it just, it's really hard to hear programs like Alabama, Ohio State. I know I'm singling it out only because they're the ones out there begging for more of your money to quote-unquote compete. I just, you know, going to be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of college seasons,
0: really. Yeah, that's why so many are begging for uh, federal legislation on the matter. It continues to evolve. We'll see what it looks like in a couple of years, but right now it. Feels like the Wild Wild West in a lot of ways when you when you talk about NLI. Gus Catengel has been our guest at gcat underscore one seven on Twitter, host of uh, the Sports Hangover ESPN one hundred point three in New Orleans. Um, I'm glad you had a great trip to Vermont. Um, I know the travel you and I have talked wasn't easy on you, but you, your kid handled it like a champ, and um, oh. you're back. You're back in the heat. So enjoy the weekend, my friend, and uh, next week heck uh you know morning after the nba draft we'll see we'll see what the pelicans decide to do
3: yeah man it's crazy and then uh, as i've been saying it too it's only six wednesdays kind of look at it like that it, it, it may seem long it may seem like not enough time you know we got the kids school packet and instructions and everything yesterday and emails and we're like go oh, oh, wow that's that's not a lot that's not a lot of time and then when you look at you know only six wednesdays until the first day of training camp i mean that's it's around the corner. I mean it really legitimately is. It's not that far when you consider maybe you may do something and take that summer vacation or a weekend to the beach or something and then boom it's you know, back to um to everything. You know, it's right around the corner, Scott.
0: Seventy eight days from that first Saturday of college football where everybody wow. kicks off. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And then uh, you know, heck. what six days at five days after that the nfl season opener between the bills and rams so 83 days away from that 87 away from 86 away from the saints yeah you start putting in single in in double digits and not triple digits that uh it's a game changer so in the meantime we're going to keep talking sports keeping you guys entertained bringing you content gus i appreciate the time my friend have a great weekend and we'll uh, we'll talk soon
3: Always oh, a pleasure man take care and have a good weekend right.
0: you try to stay cool goodness I, i'm yes yes ice just get buckets of ice that's what i say ice baths <laughs> yeah, exactly. thanks brother oh and by the way scott happy father's day thank you happy father's day gus to both you and your dad sounds good man thank all you all the buddy. best man appreciate that all right don't go anywhere open phone lines next Mike McCarthy isn't smashing fruit anymore, but apparently the uh, the players for the Cowboys are smashing one another too much. He's in trouble. Give you the details on that. And we'll take a moment to remember Brad McGuire. Don't go anywhere. This is the Great Scott Show on a Friday. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
2: ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 1033, K277DQ Lafayette, a Town Square media station, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports great scott
3: the great scott show and as they head into the final furlong all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the great scott show the champion with scott prather steal the show
0: Into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather, coming at you on a Give Me All You Got Friday. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! Phone lines are open for you from here on out. 337-269-1077. Warriors win the championship last night. They're fourth in eight years. They've made six finals in eight years. The other two years, they were bad. A lot of injuries. But six and eight years. Four titles in eight years. Half of them without Kevin Durant. They didn't need Kevin Durant anyway. But I thought their recent title was probably the most impressive considering that they came back from two horrendous seasons. And to get guys healthy enough to make a run. And Steph played defense. Pretty good. The Warriors' defense absolutely smothered Boston. Smothered him. Like, you think of the Warriors as splash brothers, shoot it up, swish, ball movement, score you, run you. This Warriors was a top-five defense statistically all season. Andrew Wiggins had Jason Tatum in a phone booth. Tatum had 13 points on 18 shots. That ain't any first-team all-NBA performance right there. Tatum did not have a good NBA Finals. Boston's defense was... Lauded as the best of the best, and it was great all season, even though some jabroni in the Boston media voted their starting five with all five all-NBA defensive votes he had, which is stupid. But they were a great defense. A fear of defense. The Warriors' defense is the one that left with a, with a championship ring. Steph Curry wins the finals MVP, one that eluded him. Well-deserved. Averaged over 31 points a game, shot 44% from beyond the arc. And was playing defense. The Warriors were a struggling franchise before Curry and Thompson. And their first three three seasons of Steph Curry were not good. Bad records. He had some ankle issues. They wanted to trade for Chris Paul, who was on New Orleans at the time, with the Hornets. Curry for Paul? What? Paul nixed it. NBA was owning the points at the time. They didn't really want to, you know, they they were going to listen to the superstar. I don't want this. They didn't have a true owner at the time. George Shinn had sold to the NBA. Tom Benson hadn't bought the team yet. And Paul wanted to go to where he thought he could win. And then we know how that played out. He was on the Lakers briefly, and then the commissioner said, no, we're not doing this. And then he eventually ended up with the Clippers. Curry, meanwhile, started getting more healthy and better and better and better. Heck, there was even a brief moment the Warriors were flirting with possibly trading a young Clay Thompson Go ahead and getting it done to the Hornets for Eric freaking Gordon. Can you imagine? They stuck with it. It's a reminder that you got to stay, you got to stay healthy, you got to have luck, you got to have generational talent, and the Warriors. Checked all three of those boxes in the years they went to the finals and in the few years before it, as far as getting lucky. And in the two years, they weren't able to check the health box in the middle of the run. They didn't even make the postseason. Outside of the bubble one year and then in a playing game the next. And then NBA champions. Now, when the playoffs started, many people were picking the Warriors. Let's not act like no one thought the Warriors could get back here if they were healthy. They were not the favorite to start the season. They weren't. But it's not like it's this big shock. But Steph Curry, he remembers.
2: Man, I'm
1: so proud of our group. I thank God every day that I get to play this game at the highest level with some amazing people. I mean, we know this is what it's all about, playing for a championship and what we've been through the last three years. The beginning of the season, nobody, nobody thought we'd be here. Except everybody in this on this court right now. It's amazing.
0: Warriors win. And Clay Thompson sitting there dropping, you know, Holy Cannoli when the mic gets put in front of him. Holy
3: cannoli. This is crazy.
0: <laughs> I don't know why they just cracked me up. Holy cannoli, this is crazy. Holy cannoli. Warriors win, and we have a poll up over at ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. What dynasty of the last 31 years is the best? Bulls, Lakers, Spurs, Warriors. Bulls running away with it, 69% of the vote. Warriors, 16%. Spurs, 6%. Lakers, 9%. Check it out over at ESPN Lafayette. Chime in. Get in on the poll. Curry unanimously voted 2022 NBA Finals MVP. And now, when you look ahead to the odds next season, Warriors are the favorite at plus 550. Betting odds. Magic and Rockets, plus 200,000. I don't think they're doing it. But you have the Warriors as the favorite, Celtics next at plus 650, Nets and Clippers at plus 700, Bucks plus 800, Suns plus 900, Mavs, Nuggets, Lakers, Grizzlies, Heat, 76ers plus 1400. Then you take a big gap till you get to the next teams, which are the Pelicans and the Jazz at plus 4,000. The Warriors are a logical favorite after winning it all. I get it. But it seems like a somewhat open field with the Warriors. Only at 550 is the favorite. Getting Kawhi Leonard back makes the Clippers much better, obviously. What are the Nets going to do after they got swept? Will Ben Simmons make any kind of a difference? There is a lot to change. There's a lot that can change. Between now and a year from now. Ask the Warriors about health. Well, they'll probably get some health. James Wiseman was the number two overall pick in 2020. He was hurt most of the season. He missed the postseason. You have two lottery picks in Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. Both of them will give Golden State some depth. But Andrew Wiggins, maybe he's gone. The is going to be wild. Especially in Phoenix. I mean, they made the finals last year, had the best record in the regular season this year. A very disappointing exit in the postseason. How do you lose to the Mavs? DeAndre Ayton's a free agent. That could shift so much for Phoenix and in the West. If he leaves, look for those odds to maybe plummet. And it's not whether or not he can be good next year. We're talking about a championship. ESPN Lafayette. 20 minutes after the hour, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, a little bit on the CWS, but I want to take a moment to remember a young man who tragically passed away this week. Rage of Cajun fans will remember him. And uh, for those of you that don't know who I'm talking about, we'll tell you about Brad McGuire. I, I I talked to Brad. I didn't know him extremely well. All my interactions with him were good, but I have some some good friends that were very close with him and some of the things they had to say about him. And a reminder to appreciate every breath, every moment that we have here in this thing we call life, man. Don't take it for granted. We'll be right back after this on The Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette.
1: What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out
3: the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from noon to 3 and get your sports fix right here on
2: ESPN Lafayette, Lafayette ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette, Lafayette ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome
0: back into the Great Scott Show on a Give Me All You Got Friday, everybody. Happy to have you with me. Um, All the dads out there, hope you have a great Father's Day Sunday. Want to take some time in this segment to remember Brad McGuire. For those that haven't heard, Brad McGuire, former Raging Cajun quarterback, died in a single-car vehicle accident on Wednesday in Jacksonville, Florida. Brad, who was in his uh, early 30s, had recently finished up medical residency. He was working as an ER doctor. He was from Florida, uh, Golf Breeze, Florida. He played at Golf Breeze High, dual-sport athlete, signed with UL in 07 um, under Ricky Bussell and redshirted, And from there... Just worked his tail off. Was a backup quarterback, uh, thrust into a starting role, came in off the bench in a game where where Michael Desimo got hurt, led a comeback against Arkansas State. His junior year was a backup but played some H-back. And then his senior year in 2011 when Coach Huspeth got there, he played all over the place. He was the Taysom Hill of the Cajuns offense he played a little quarterback certainly short goal line situations he was he started at fullback at H back he played tight and he played receiver he got in the end zone a lot he had a toughness about him and a grittiness that all his teammates love but you know we used to have press luncheons uh and now they're just kind of every now and then you know the, we'll meet with with coaches or players you know briefly but used to have press luncheons back in the day and media would go and you'd interview some coaches and players and they'd bring a player or two out each week and when brad was there he was you know he wasn't he'd just come sit with us and just start talking you know shooting the breeze and he he was a glue guy he was beloved by his teammates and a guy that did whatever it took to win, whatever they asked of him, oh, wait, I know you're a quarterback, we want you to play some H-back, we want you to do this. He's like, I'm in, coach. I'm in. He he looked a little bit like Tim Tebow. Certainly had a toughness with him on the field and by Brad's senior year had, you know, bulked up and and had a lot of muscle and, you know, was playing some fullback and H-back and some of his teammates would call him Tebow, but in, in, In hearing about the news, um, I immediately just remembered how beloved he was by his teammates, and I, you know, I heard from some of his former teammates, who are all struggling right now, and I mean it when I say. Uh, my deepest condolences and my deepest thoughts and prayers to to the McGuire family and all of Brad's loved ones. You know, and all his friends and all that knew him. Richie Falgu told me that brad was a natural born leader one of the most caring people and teammates i've ever encountered said he loved his time in lafayette he loved the people here he played whatever position was asked of him he'd do anything to help anyone get better chris lano said his smile was contagious he'd light up a room he was an incredible human being as he was a player james butler Said Brad was the most authentic person he ever met, not teammate, but person. James said Brad knew it had meant to inspire others and lead by example. He said he's just at a loss for words. Lamarcus Gibson. Said one of the best teammates and people you could be around. Says this one sucks. It sucks. Says rest easy, brother. Coach Michael Desimo, who played with Brad, said Brad was one of the best teammates you could ever ask for. He truly embodied what it meant to be a raging cage, and our thoughts and prayers are with Brad's family as they mourn his passing. Then there were some individuals that commented online that, you know, didn't, didn't know Brad when he played football, but knew him after. Individuals that that worked in medicine with him or in med school that were shocked that said, you know, he's one of the nicest people that they ever met. Grant Taylor in Huntington, West Virginia says, prayers from Huntington to our friends in Louisiana at this one. There's some good friends of McGuire's originally from here, which is how I found out, very sad. young woman that went to med school with him uh named jabria says just found out one of my med school classmates was killed in a tragic car accident he was truly one of the nicest guys my heart is broken for his family it's tragic it's sad and you know we lose people every day in this world and sometimes it's close to closer to home than others for some um you know, unfortunately, there's been a number of deaths uh, of individuals from, you know, some of the teams that that played at UL just in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Darzell Washington tragically shot. Al Riles. Brad McGuire in a, in, a, in, a, in a single car vehicle accident. Working as an ER doctor. It was a great student at UL on the commissioner's list seemingly every year. Sunbelt Conference honor roll when one year, academic honor roll. I mean, but a guy that would do whatever it took. I mean, life is fragile, man. Don't take anything for granted, guys. Don't take anything for granted. Now, it's Father's Day coming up. If you're fortunate enough to to still have your dad here, and you have that relationship with them, make sure you tell them you love them. Tell them how much you appreciate them. And then do that again with everyone in your life. Everyone. You never know, guys. Live in the moment. Be present. And let those that you love know that you love them. Remind them. And I'm not, you know, I, I didn't mean to get preachy or anything like that. But I'm not. I'm not trying to get preachy. I'm just trying to share that message that, you know, we get reminded of unfortunately when someone passes away. And earlier this week, being at Miscale Savoy's funeral, the First Lady of UL, Doctor President's wife, Gail, who I had the pleasure of knowing for most of my entire life, um, you know, had fought fought cancer hard for years, passed away, and. You know, seeing so many folks at that funeral and sharing their condolences. And then the next day, um, you know, hearing about Brad, it was just a reminder. Don't sit, go, Don't get so caught up in the daily grind. Don't get so caught up in the day-to-day that you forget to appreciate what you have and enjoy life. Rest in peace to Brad McGuire, to Missawa, and to anyone listening who's lost a loved one. To them as well. We'll take a time out. This is the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette.
2: <music> It's so legit. It smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It does go
1: well with the chicken.
0: Back into the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports on a Friday. A, give me all you got Friday. I, I I totally forgot in my conversation with Gus Kattengill to talk about those Saints helmets. Guys. All y'all that are saying, oh, fire, amazing. Stop it. Stop it. The Saints, who wore black helmets with a gold fleur-de-lis for one preseason game in 1969, have altered their helmets a little bit over the years in terms of the size of the fleur-de-lis on it. But really, it's the standard is gold helmet, black fleur-de-lis. And it works. And it's pretty. And, you know, you look at the Celtics. They don't change their uniforms. Why? Because they don't need to. You don't need to change your helmet. I don't care if it's for one game. If you haven't seen it, you can check it out over at ESPNLafia.com or at the ESPN Lafayette app. But what is that? What? Oh, look at this black helmet. This is fire. This is awesome. This is ugly. The Falcons wear black helmets. And then it has this little thing at the top that from afar just looks like a bunch of little like dots. Like like tire tracks. But if you look close enough, oh they're they're little what do you know? They're little flirt lees. Uh uh. No. Not not a fan. Love the Saints. Those black helmets, not a fan. And then they're supposed to wear them for one game, and it's going to be a, a game where they do the color rush, so they're going to have these sweet all-whites with gold stripes and these black helmets. I had a lot of folks say, no, they're awesome, and they should wear them with the all-black. I don't like when the Saints wear the all-black. Now you're going to put a black helmet on top. They're going to look like Darth Vader. Oh, that's cool. No, it's not. The Saints helmet is smooth as it is. It's nice. It's cool. It's just the gold. It works. It looks good. Enough of this. The NFL is starting to turn into the NBA with their, you know, city-edition Uniform jerseys that they break out new ones every single year so they can get more and more money. The NFL, I get it, do it a little bit with jerseys. It's not like people are going out and buying helmets like they do jerseys. You don't need to mess with the helmet, man. Ugh. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prathers. The Great Scott Show on Give Me a God Friday. Phone lines are open for you 337 269 1077. Coming up, we'll talk a little bit about Mike McCarthy getting in trouble. Pushing the Cowboys a little too hard, apparently. And uh, Steph Curry calling out a few people post-game last night. One of which was Brian Winhurst, which frankly, what Winhurst said earlier earlier this week, "Eh." made me think a little bit beyond the surface of what he said and why we react a certain way to it. I'll get into that. In a couple of minutes. Right now, though, let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the show.
1: Hold well, You said the Celtics never change their uniform?
0: Well, they wear those black ones that are ugly, but the traditional Boston Celtics green unis work. Like, don't they? They don't. They, they're not. It's not like they're. If you look at their uniform from many years ago to today, there's this major difference.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, the reason it threw me off because I'm um, like, man, they didn't wear black back in the day.
0: Yeah. No, look, in the NBA, every team has a couple of alternatives they wear, but it's not like Boston's ever gone away from, like, their – I'm talking about their mainstream uniform, right? Like, they've never really gone away from that. Um, I hate when – I don't like when they wear those. I think it was black. I think just green and white, white and green. Like, if something's good, if something works, don't change it. I think the Saints helmet works. They don't need to change it, even if it's for a game, which is only going to lead to them doing it more, and I don't – I don't like it. I don't like it.
1: I, I didn't like the Lakers when they uh, when they implemented those white
0: jerseys. Remember the early 2000s? They, it looked they looked like, like the that. Pacers. It was weird. I was I didn't like it either. There's certain look if you're I don't know. It, it, it depends on like the, the I don't like the Pistons. The the old blue and reds like those work. Just stick with those. You know the Bulls when they wear the black. I don't like it. I think they're whenever if you have a good uniform that works. Just just don't don't mess with it a bunch. Don't mess with it a bunch. Yeah. Because I know it's just a right. game and it's just a helmet. Someone's saying, oh Scott, who cares? You know what's gonna happen. They're gonna end up doing this way more than one game in the future. And I just do not like those black Saints helmets at all.
1: Yeah, I didn't see I didn't take a look at the helmet, but um I always wonder why the Saints didn't wear black helmets from time to time. I always
0: wondered that. Well, you can go look at it on our website, but it's it's not good. Don't like it. Not a fan. Yeah. You know, right, what are you, what man, are you, you. honest opinion. Saints Wait, just standard, just honest opinion. Saints just, Saints helmet. Gold helmet, black Florida Lee. I mean, it's, is it just me here? Or am I just being a homer? I mean, I feel like, I don't feel like you don't need to mess with it.
1: I just, uh, yeah, you, you know what I mean? But I just want to, it, <laughs> look, man, as long as they uh, go at least 11 and uh, 6, 12 and 5, they can wear pink helmets. I wouldn't care. Yeah, you know?
0: they might wear them in October, we'll see. And guess what,
1: that, well, let me shut up. Because <laughs> that's coming. Do you want to have pride helmets, you think?
0: I don't know about helmets, but I'm sure they'll uh, probably have a month where they have a patch or a sticker on the back of a helmet. Not an entire helmet, though, no.
1: It's hard to have a month because they don't play football in June.
0: Right, right. You know? No. They'll but they'll they'll incorporate it at some point, yeah.
1: Like you said, if there if there's a way to make money and just to capitalize off of something. Sure. You know, that's what I'm not just saying the NFL, you know, all these leagues do it. You know.
0: They're gonna, anyway, do, it. Man, um, They're gonna do it. That's why they have a hundred different yeah. uniforms, but I, I don't I do not like it. Hey, scu-
1: well, no mind. That that's 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 a discussion for next week. Look, you have
0: a good one and uh thank you. Thank you. I just don't like these don't like the helmets, guys. You can email me, Scott at espinlafayette Alan emails Scott. You're being a hater. Those helmets are fire. Of course, he didn't put fire. He put a bunch of flame emojis. No, no, they're not. They're not fire. They're farcical. They're weird. I don't. They, they look like a weird college helmet. Like, look. I think. I think. I think that LSU football has always had one of the better helmets in all of college football. And I hate when they go white or when they did like the Washington Husky looking gold a few times and they started incorporating all this stuff. It's like, what are you doing? Imagine the Michigan Wolverine helmet, them just changing those. Ohio State, when they wear those weird ones, it's, I get it. It's money, but it's something works. As Raging Cajun helmets go, I mean, I know they made a lot of changes, especially when HUD was there. I just Raging Cajun's on the side and all white, white face mask. I think that's a good look. But there's their helmets have changed a good bit over the years. It's not like they've, you know, they've had one that's been around for a long time, consistently for a long time that looked a certain way, like LSU or like the Saints. I mean, imagine if Michigan just decides we're just gonna change our color scheme we're just gonna put a we're gonna put an actual Wolverine claw on our helmet won't that be cool no it will not ah <sighs> ESPN Lafayette the best ticket in sports 10 minutes till the top of the hour Mike McCarthy who likes to smash fruit Apparently was um, a little too physical. Well, not him, but he had his players get a little too physical. For the second year in a row, Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys were fined for violating rules regarding offseason practices. Who let us know this? That'd be Mr. Jerry Jones. A hundred grand, and the Cowboys were docked an OTA for 2023. So next year they get one last OTA for holding practices that were too physical by the NFL. It just sounds funny. It's too, you guys are being too rough playing football. Um, the organization, well, they weren't fine. Just Mike McCarthy. He's just taking the bullet here. He's like, it was me. Last year he was fined 50 grand. The Cowboys were fined 100 grand. They learned their lessons so much, they decided to just do it again. Just did it again. I mean this is this is Jaguar stuff. The the Jags were fine 200 grand and Urban Meyer was fine last year. This is Urban Meyer. Here's Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Way to go? Good job, Mike. The pressure of Sean Payton's shadow looming over this season for the Cowboys. You think Mike McCarthy who is um about as good at clock management as Les Miles is going to be able to ha- If there's a ton of pressure in, in Dallas no matter what. It's the Cowboys, okay? It's the Dallas Cowboys. And then you got Sean Payton's shadow looming overall. Jerry Jones needs to hire Sean Payton. Jerry Jones. If Dallas is in a lousy division like 9-8, and 10-7, whatever it is, if there's any kind of rough patch, it's going to constantly be this talking point. They need to move on from Mike McCarthy. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Steph Curry, NBA Finals MVP, he he apparently kept all the receipts. I mean, they were, hey, whatever it takes to motivate you. And Clay Thompson was bothered by a tweet that Jaron Jackson of the Grizzlies sent out in the regular season. He was bringing it up last night. And haters would be like, oh, well, apparently he's still living rent-free in his head. I hate the rent-free thing. It's so dumb. Both sides just toss it back and forth in some kind of argument like, oh, you're thinking about me? I'm living rent-free. Oh, shut up. You're you're living rent-free in my... It's just it's like now just this code word that's just really annoying. He's living rent free of Klay Thompson's not a champion. He used it as motivation. It worked. Ryan Winhurst, Rent Winhurst, Winhorst. After Andrew Wiggins had his big game and the Warriors won earlier this week, he's like, You don't just have to beat Golden State, you have to also beat their checkbook. Steph Curry. Brought that up last night.
1: So I heard somebody talk about some pay, uh, it was it checkbook wins and all this other stuff? Like, <laughs> yeah, because we're, you know, it starts with the core group of, of, of champions and, and bona fide winners and the belief that we could run it back. Now we're here.
0: Yeah. He makes a good point. Yeah. They kept their core together. An owner paid him. He paid a giant luxury tax because he thought they could win a championship. I'm no Warriors fan. But isn't this what you want? Shouldn't that be celebrated? Why is Windhorst, LeBron's lackey, and why would anyone side with owners who don't spend that much money? Don't you want your owner of your favorite teams to spend money to try to win a championship? Do you sit back and apply? Wait a minute. Way to way to let your best players walk. Way to not way to trade a great asset because you didn't want to pay any kind of luxury tax. Way to get out from under it. Way it's like all this stuff. Oh, well, you know, Gail Benson keeps paying a lot of money because the Saints push back cap stuff because they convert salaries and the signing bonuses and they move the cap around and She has to pay a lot of money. Isn't that what you want? Or do you want an owner who's constantly cutting costs despite the fact that he or she is a billionaire and doesn't really care about winning? Checkbook win. I I wish my team had a checkbook win in the NBA championship. Steinbrenner was looked at as a villain because he'd pay these monies, players all this money. It's like, Don't look at him as a villain. Look at your owner as a villain. Don't you want him to do the same thing or her to do the same thing? So shout out to the Warriors owners for paying a giant luxury tax, keeping the core together, and opening up the checkbook because they're still making billions of dollars, guys. I got news for you. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. The Dan Patrick Show is next. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll talk to you on Monday morning, bright and early. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.